Hello and welcome to the Alternative Path with me, David Robson. I've got a guy on this week who I'm really interested to talk about. When I, when I first spoke to, his, his name's Darren Clark. When I first spoke to Darren, um, we had a really, a really interesting kind of uh, thing that we'd both done in our, in our earlier years. We both uh, owned our own cleaning company. So straight away, we had something that we could uh, sort of relate to and we had a really good conversation. So I was really keen to get Darren onto the podcast, have a chat with him. So Darren is a neurodiversity consultant. Um, he's, he's involved in a, in a number of things. So I'm going to let Darren introduce himself because I think he like he will obviously give you a really good insight as to who he is and what he's about. But Darren, great to have you on. Um, Thank you. Really, really interested to hear a bit more about yourself. So always keen just to start with who you are and, and what you're about. Thank you. And thank you so much for, for allowing me on here. It's, uh, like I said, it, it was great when we, we spoke the other day and, and we connected through, uh, through uh, social channels as well. So yeah, so my name is Darren Clark. Um, I'm a neurodiversity consultant. Uh, I'm dyslexic and have ADHD, but I was diagnosed at the age of 36. So I'm 44 now. So quite a, a late diagnosis. Always been um, in kind of an entrepreneurial business sense. Um, prior to that, I was in retail. Became a worked my way up from pushing trolleys all the way up to regional manager for for a high end uh, uh, superstore. And um, and then yeah, then went into kind of after I got to that stage, went in started my own uh, cleaning business, uh, which which we we created and we grew. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so now and I think the past eighteen months, uh, you know, a couple of years, I've been really working with. Um, organizations and schools around dyslexia, uh, neurodiversity, um, spreading awareness, and obviously teaching and training uh, as well. So, uh, so that kind of in a nutshell is where uh, where I am currently uh, today. I hope that gives you a bit of an idea. Absolutely, and I think um, you know it's, it's amazing. Once one of the I'm going to go into obviously in a bit more detail, but one of the things that I really like about um, what's the phrase like that I'm really embracing now about what's happened over the last sort of 10 months or so is people's eagerness and willingness to, to communicate with each other now. I think there's a number of reasons for that. Personally, I think people have got a bit more time because everyone's work, most people's work has, has kind of slowed up a little bit, but I'm like all about embracing that now. I'm really pushing on and really, I, I want to, I want to bring out the positives about the last 10 months as much as much as possible. So hopefully we're going to go into a bit of that today, but yeah. something I want to, um, it's interesting after, after we spoke as well I was, I was really thinking i don't think we really covered it on our on our call but you mentioned it that you were you obviously did you didn't get diagnosed with um adhd and dyslexia till 36 i think it's 36 yeah 36 37 around that time yeah so what was if you don't mind me asking what was what was like the trigger point in you kind of going down that path from yeah. where you were at 36 to then thinking right i need to just kind of get to the get to the kind of bottom of this i guess Absolutely. And, and I guess, you know, being having dyslexia and ADHD, I've always kind of known there was something there, as in, um, you know, things I struggle with, you know, definitely in school and, and especially in a high um, pressured position uh, when I was, you know, a regional manager. But but uh, it, it came actually, um, I was I'd ready, I think I was about a year into or six, six months into starting my own business. So I'd left a corporate career, started my own business. And I was at home uh, working on on the laptop, and I, I listened to um, I think it was like Points West or something. It was a uh, an interview in the afternoon, and it was a lady who was um, being interviewed, and she owned her own floristry, 
uh, business. And they, they was, it was one of those moments when you're working along, you sort of got the, the, you know, the noise in the background. And they, they kept saying to her, you know, why did you set up this floristry business? And she said, well, I'm dyslexic. And at that point, I didn't really know about dyslexia. Um, and so I, I was thinking, you know, I just kind of heard it. And then she said, I, you know, I struggle with writing and reading. And there's, you know, the sometimes the letters move around. I can't actually spell what I put, you know, the, the bouquets are, the flowers. But I can tell you by scent and smell and pictures and visuals. And they kept coming around. They kept saying the word dyslexia. And then the more the interview went on, the more she delved into how things on a da daily basis with dyslexia affects her working life and, you know, a personal life and a working life. And it's just one of those moments, it was kind of a bit surreal. I mean, I, I can jazz it up and make it sound really kind of dramatic, you know, like I put the laptop down and I went over to the TV and stuff. But it was almost this moment of just thinking, ah, oh, you know, I feel like that. I get it. So once I, um, I watched the end of it, uh, the, the report, and then once I realized how to spell it, which is <laughs> ironic, really, uh, I Googled it and then looked into more, uh, more findings about it. They did they had like a, an online test, uh, which you could do. Uh, and that came out severely dyslexic. And then I thought, well, actually, that's, you know, I, I want to know more about it. So then, yeah, then I went and um, researched more, went and, and got a, a diagnosis, which was a, a few hundred pounds, I think, you know, back then, I think it's a little bit more expensive now. Um, and the report came back. It was a good, good few hours in there. They came back and they said that I was had dyslexia and it was severe dyslexia and ADHD. And it was that moment then. I, I it was almost like I'd forgiven myself for some of the errors that I made uh, in the past. Um, but it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was life changing in the sense of oh, I've got my diagnosis. You know, the the world's my oyster. Everything's this. I was still a bit you know a little bit clueless of what that actually meant what that diagnosis actually meant and I guess I never really put you know put it I, I kind of put that in a box really um especially the ADHD the ADHD is quite prevalent at the moment it's something I've been working on for the past year um but the dyslexia I kind of I sat on it for a good six months six seven months and then I started looking into it and then I started seeing how I can help other people uh with dyslexia so that's kind of how the diagnosis happened. I've spoken to, I've spoken to a couple of other people actually who have a very similar, very similar kind of um, backgrounds about what their, their late diagnosis, if you like. And I think it, um, something they they mentioned is it, it's it's suddenly also kind of um, explained. I think you touched on there, but explained so many so many reasons for, for things previously and they almost felt like in the, in a way it was a bit of a almost a, a weight lifted off their shoulders yeah. as actually yeah. it's not you know and, uh, something that something that i always always notice is that the number of entrepreneurs who have adhd it's it's massive and I, I, I need to do some research on it and, and get some stats on it but it's, it's huge isn't it that the number of it is like because i'm right in saying that part of adhd is but can be very creative absolutely and, and, and you know you know when we look at dyslexia especially in entrepreneurship in, in business we always think of you know people like richard branson you know we we tend to think of you know these you know multi-billion pound you know business moguls which is phenomenal to have this uh you know fantastic uh, you know business model and i you know icon and idol in in that sense um but i i think sometimes it, it can 
put more pressure. You know, when I work with schools in the past, I speak, I've, I've spoken to over 80, 85,000 students over the past six, seven, eight years, uh, which was around dyslexia, entrepreneurship and business. And what I found is, is if we, we take someone who's struggling in school, for instance, uh, with you know, some of the daily tasks that, that, that children have within you know, the educational system, especially with dyslexia and ADHD, and then we say, well, you're dyslexic, so you could be like Richard Branson. I think it's, it's great to have that aspire, but it also puts a little bit more pressure on the individual to think that that's, I mean, that, I mean sell anyone in business that <laughs> you need to be like Richard Branson. There's a, there's a pressure element onto it. However, the flip side is, is that the more you look into dyslexia and ADHD, dyscalculia, and and and, and uh, you know other neuro neurodiverse you know neurodiversities, there there is an element of that you can be inspired and not feel so isolated as you do with with a lot of the um, day to day tasks with it. Yeah, I, I, I agree, and I think. Um... I've been I've been sitting here kind of thinking about whether to kind of go in go into this in a, in a bit more. One of the um, one of the other reasons that really um, you know when I was in when I was in school, you know, I I, I just thought well, I'm 38 now. I just always presumed I just just couldn't spell. I'm not saying that's the only thing around no. dyslexia because there's there's so much more. But going back when I was in school, that's that's almost what what I was. I was just one one of a couple of kids that just just couldn't spell. Um, yeah. and I think it's. It's, it's interesting because I think there's there's a way of like I don't know where this I, I every we talk about this every on every podcast every person every person's got a gift a talent a something that they they they're good at you're obviously now really trying to with what you've almost learned about yourself you're now trying to kind of use that in a way of empowering other people isn't and yeah. i think that's it's so powerful and the amount of people who either have amazing successes to to share and or the amount of people who have got any any type of need or been through any kind of hardship or, or real struggle the power of using that to help others is it's just like so powerful, isn't it? I think, you know. Absolutely. And, you know, they say knowledge is power, uh, you know, and, and you know, I, I firmly believe that, you know, we've all got, you know, I, I do it basically through through storytelling and, you know, experiences that I've, you know, experienced. I mean, you do get that, um, you know, and it's, it's shared quite prevalently for a lot of uh, different entrepreneurs and, and, you know, business people when they, you know, they, that, that imposter syndrome where you feel you know and, and even I guess even in the neurodiverse world I guess you do feel sometimes like um, although it's incredibly welcoming and, and fantastic and you've made some amazing connections I guess sometimes you do feel like a little bit um, again on the outside you know you always think am I neurodiverse enough <laughs> you know to be in this um, sector because I guess when I first started looking into dyslexia I was thinking well I'm not you know a professor and I'm not fully qualified in, in you know the dyslexia dyslexia and ADHD and stuff but what I've been able to bring over the years through the, the work that we've been doing on a global scale is that uh, that you know that experience and you know how I deal with my ADHD how I deal with my dyslexia how it's affected me and how I've been able to to have little coping mechanisms to, you know, to deal with these these elements as well. But I guess that you know maybe that stems from you know childhood. I guess you know with the the dyslexia where you struggle in school and then you then struggle in your workplace and you always feel a little bit on the outside of uh, of things as well. But yes, it's very interesting when you delve right into it. That's, 
absolutely. So give us a bit of a um, so a kind of. I mean, you you mentioned you've been you've been delivered like some real high numbers for for schools to talk to um, people in education settings. So what do you try and kind of when you're delivering a, a talk or a presentation? What do you try and what do you try and put across? How do you kind of what does it look like? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So, so I started um, when I first started my own business. Uh, it was I wanted to give back to the educational system purely because even though I didn't have, I mean, I left school with not a single qualification. Um, you know, I wasn't put through any exams. Um, I was just kind of isolated in, you know, in, in a classroom, given colouring books to occupy me for literally five years of of my schooling. Um, and this was purely because the school I went to at the time didn't understand my needs. I wasn't a troubled child in, in that sense. I was just, you know, struggled massively in class and it was just easy to just, you know, to occupy me uh, in other ways. So so when I left school, I, I, I could have gone one way and thought, you know, the, the you know, my education has been stolen from me or, or, you know, those kind of elements. But I'm a massive advocate of education because I feel, you know, if you can get education, then it, it takes you up the, you know, the ladder and also builds that confidence. You know, school's not just about education, it's about social skills and, and other elements of it. So, so when I started my own business, I was networking and uh, and I was kind of sharing my story of how I, you know, what I've done in business and, and, and things. And someone approached me and said, would you like to go into a, you should take this talk into schools. And, uh, and I thought to myself, you know, do, do, you know, schools actually do talks, you know, I would have absolutely loved back in the day if an, you know, an entrepreneur businessman came into my school and, and gave a talk, I would have been, you know, in awe. So I, you know, I, I contact, I was thinking, well, what school can I contact? And I actually contacted my old school that, uh, that I, I attended, um, which is, was Withywood School, which is now Merchants Academy uh, in South Bristol. Uh, they actually bashed my school down and they built this beautiful brand new uh, academy. Um, mine kind of looked like this sort of uh, an old school with, you know, uh, <laughs> barbed wire around it. And this one looks, <laughs> looks fantastic uh, with all the amenities. Anyway. I, I wanted to, to go back to my own school, but you know what, that, that feeling, I contacted the school and I said, can I come in and do a, a school talk? And they said, yes, we'll come in, we'll put you in front of a um, four, I think it's like a class of five or six kids. And I thought, oh, that's, that's great. That anxiety, I've got to tell you, when I walked through the gates, admittedly, it was a different school, but it, for me, it was the same. I was still walking through the same gates. I walked up to the school when I went to reception and the lady was getting the headmaster to come, come out. I felt so small and, and, and very nervous. Uh, and subsequently, I, my nerves just increased purely because they said, well, actually, we're not going to put you in front of five students. We're going to put you in front of the assembly. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was still, still very new to public speaking at this time. And uh, they gave me a, a little mic uh, and they said, um, so then you go out the curtains and then you've just got a sea of, uh, you know, uh, students. And, and I would say anyone that's looking to practice public speaking, if you can speak in front of a school full of students, then that is the most scary thing because they're very honest. They're very honest in the sense if they're not enjoying the talk, they'll, they'll tell you, uh, you know, and, you know, but if they are engaged, then uh, it can be you know, incredibly rewarding. So I did my first talk, but that was around business and entrepreneurship. And then as the, the more work I was doing with dyslexia, I started working with more schools and youth projects um, and, and, and lots of different organizations around the educational side of it. My main thing really was to go in and uh, just make people more aware. 
to make sure to inspire, to make sure that they don't feel completely isolated and alone uh, in that in that sense. And just trying to start, spark It's what one of the things we do with organizations now is just start that conversation going, because one thing I, I you know, I hid my dyslexia and, you know, ADHD purely because it just felt strange, you know, you're sat in school and the paper, the words on the paper start moving around. If you start telling your friends or you start telling a teacher, it, it you know, people are going to think that you're, you know, you're mad or, or something, you know, that, but that's just inner talk. So I think when, when I've gone into schools and I, then I've worked on a larger scale, when you do a talk and then the after part where you then are able to go in and speak to, you know, four or five or, you know, a class of say 10, 10 students, you always find it's really rewarding when they start coming out and, and, and starting the conversation. That's the, that's kind of like the, the, the best part, because I don't know if you've done, you know, people who've done any public speaking with, with schools in an assembly, if you were to ask anyone to put their hand up and ask a question, it's very difficult for them to have, the, you know, some, some do, but they don't have the confidence to put their hand up in front of everyone else because there's so much peer pressure. And if you can, if you can bring that element into the school where they can start the conversation and it, it's been, you know, it was tough at the start, but now when you go in there now, it's, it's, it's more of a conversation breaker and, and, and people are more, more acceptive and more understanding um, of it. Mm, I, um, just, I find it, I find it fascinating. I find the, something I would, I would, I would love. And I know um, there's, there's an element of, this isn't always kind of the schools um, down to the school, but I would love schools to get more funding for outside, whether it's uh, someone like yourself to go in. I've had someone who educates young people around um, alcoholism and addiction, that sort of thing. Yeah. People who have been through experiences, getting getting individuals like that into schools is so powerful. I almost think it's 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 too much to expect a a mass teacher, nothing. I'm not I'm just picking a subject out of the air. Yeah, no, absolutely. A, a maths teacher to educate people on something that you're going to go in and educate people on. So I think the power of getting, like you say, if someone had to come into my school and talked about entrepreneurship, starting a business, I would, like you say, I would have been absorbed. But if my form teacher or science teacher had said the same, I probably would have been kind of away with the fairies. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it's, I, I think it's got so much, so much power, and I would, I would love. You know the whether it's you know fr from what you go into school and deliver the the benefits to that from from the cost to a school versus the cost of the school for someone like yourself to go in and deliver that type of conversation versus the cost to society afterwards with a number of people falling through the net of education or becoming unemployed or not feeling like they've got the confidence to go and start a business i think is like it's got to be looked at and think right let's spend a bit of money on this house so let's not all put it down and this is where like i feel schools sometimes are get put under too much pressure to, to cover everything like you know and, and they can't can they it's it's everyone has a specialism yeah you're you're absolutely you're absolutely right and then like i said there's only so much so many topics and things that they can they can bring in and again sometimes it's it's that like you said the different perspective of who who you'll listen to and, and you know, you'll listen to anyone in that sense but who you'll really take that um you know that, that knowledge from because they, they've been there they've done this or or that's their chosen profession or or topic behind it but but my my um work that i did with within the school it wasn't ever it was wasn't ever kind of like a business 
decision in that sense. I never looked at it. It's like one of the companies I, you know, I started a brew. It was just, is there, you know, uh, in, in fairness, actually, I, I found um, uh, an old pamphlet, which I, I put together many, many moons ago. And it was from when I started doing talks in schools. I mean, all those schools and everything that I did, I, I never charged uh, for that. I just said, look, that, you know, can I help? This is my time. And it was almost, uh, I then looked at it from a business point of view. I thought, oh, is there a possibility that I could do, you know, school speaking? Can I get other people in and motivate, you know, motivate and, and a whole kind of collection around it? Because again, that entrepreneurship, like yourself, you know, you, you still have that in, in your mindset. And then when I went and contacted about 15 different schools and I looked at their, their budgets and everything, I realized, like you said, you're absolutely right. There wasn't a budget for it. So it was very difficult to put a business element to it. There is a budget for you know certain things within schools to bring people in I, I get that but at the time you know what seven years ago I think it was I was looking at that there wasn't this element so everything I've done within the school has been kind of off my own back but the rewards you get from it is is immense we, we were um we were very fortunate at the very early stages a lot of the talks that I would go into in some of the schools we then took um apprentices on from those schools that started working in our company uh, which gave them life skills throughout that year that they were working with us. And then they'd go off and, and then work, you know, work in other companies, uh, you know, their dream company that they wanted to work with as, as well. So there was so much reward from it. And, you know, again, helping society, I guess, from that, that knowledge. Yeah. I think there's, um, again, moving on to like positives from the last, through the last kind of 10, 10 months or so, I think there seems to be, so many more people embracing and i speak about this on every podcast and every podcast i go into i think right i'm not going to mention this because we need to need to move on but it's it's so important and if, if anyone who does listen who who hasn't quite kind of jumped on this year i kind of i can't recommend it enough the fact that talking to as many different people as time allows you working in collaboration with other people educating yourself and taking advice from people who you might not necessarily like have thought 10 months ago actually I can learn from that person but actually like you know someone someone something that someone said to me years and years ago is like always be wary of the person who who thinks they know everything who says who comes across like they don't need to learn no matter who you it's, it's a dangerous attitude to have isn't it because we, we, it's like we never stop learning and we never stop kind of educating ourselves some people educate themselves by reading a book and memorizing it which hold my hands up i can't do other people learn by someone standing in front of them and telling an empowering story about what they've been through in their life and where they've where they've got to you know and we need to as if you agree but as as a collective society and we need to embrace that and we need to be more aware that not everybody learns the same way people absolutely people need different techniques and yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a massive, I really like, want to bang a drum about how, how important I think that is. And the more I talk to people like yourself and had teachers on the podcast and through our business, it, everyone, almost everyone agrees with that. So we need to do more like the powers that be that control yeah. school budgets or whatever need to need to pay attention to that and, and think not everybody not everybody learns by sitting in a class and getting their heads in books for hours in a day. We need to be more diverse. And then with that, I think, I personally think some of the other things that happen like around exclusions and, 
more and more pupils falling out of education, I think that will just it will it will change so much. I, I really believe that. In fact, you share that Definitely. The, the, the exclu exclusion part, you know, I, again, I was excluded from lessons for five years, uh, you know, effectively, I went from a, a primary school education where, yeah, you know, it was, I always remember it kind of stickle bricks and building blocks and colouring in and, you know, that element of fun and, and collaboration with your friends and, and, you know, sitting in real lessons and then literally from the first day of secondary school, you know, the isolation begun, you know, because it was deemed, you know, more educational that, you know, educationally, I didn't fit into the certain box that they were putting in. And I'm not saying all educational systems like this, this is just, you know, I'm 44 now. So going to school in the 80s and the 90s was slightly different than it is now. Although some, there are still a lot of work uh, to be done in that. But the exclusion part, you know, when I was put into this thing called the unit, which is, uh, you know, not, you know, a, a special police force in, a, in America. It, it's actually, you know, a porter cabin. It was, you know, I had, for the five years there, it was, it was, you know, I had a whole different array of different students that would come in. Some would stay there for a week. Some would stay there for a month. A couple of people there were there for about two or three years with me. But because that exclusion was so difficult for, you know, for children to go to the unit, then be taken out and then go back into almost, you know, like civilization, uh, you know, in the playground and some, some lessons that you're allowed to attend. The stigma of it felt really, it was really tough. So there was, you know, elements of bullying and, and, and feeling, you know, not good enough as, as well as uh, everyone else as well. So, so we have to be mindful of, of, of those exclusions, especially when you're, you know, talking of a, a young mind as well. It can be, you know, can be really, really tough, you know, for mentally, for your mental health side of it as well. Yeah, and I think the um, the then kind of uh, the, the effects of through the, that, that trauma is something that can bubble away for, for a long time. And I've, I've spoken to people who have kind of ignored that for a long, long time. And then there's the trigger points that bring a lot of things up. I mean, that's not all the time, but, you know, especially with, with, with men across the, the country and you know look at suicide rates of, of men and then like it's you know that it's probably a conversation that's probably way, way over my way over my kind of head if you like but you know there's there's serious kind of things that we all need to do about kind of addressing those those kind of childhood traumas and totally agree of, you know it's um it's, it's scary how many people you know, since, since I've been kind of touching on this podcast and through work, that if someone had said to me 10 years ago, oh, Joe Bloggs has had some trauma, I would have thought, oh, Joe Bloggs has been in a really bad car crash and they've, you know, they've got some kind of, um, like a, an effect of a, a physical injury, whereas like trauma is, can be caused by the, the, the smallest of things at times that just, if, if not addressed, just kind of absolutely away, don't they? Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's, it's like the layers, isn't it? It just keeps building and building um, and we suppress so much. Uh, and, and, and then suddenly, you know, it, it, it does become too much, uh, you know, and I, there is, you know, loads of childhood trauma in, in that sense from, 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 you know, within the dyslexia, the ADHD, the, you know, those elements as well. And, and I, you know, I'm a firm believer. I, it's, it's wonderful in, in that sense that we're able to talk more and be more open, uh, you know, and, 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 and forgiving of ourselves, uh, you know, for, for, for things. And, and again, like you said, it's just starting, starting that conversation is, is so powerful um, in, in all aspects for mental health. So through your, um, through your kind of the, the businesses that you've, you've created, you've been part of, 
a question I wanted to ask was how do you think, looking back throughout those different businesses, how do you think, um, particularly the ADHD and dyslexia, how do you think that has created a positive about the kind of businesses that you've been involved in? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So, so for, for me, I guess uh, I've always been uh, good at communicating um and i've always been good at um surrounding myself with amazing people and that was the from from the off i knew whether i was in corporate uh and i was running a store or running several stores and looking after managers i i always seemed and even in school i would always seem to surround myself with with you know like like amazing people in that sense that like key people that could even though i didn't need, know i needed help on some aspects you know the, the reading the writing the other bits and pieces the concentrating you know the business element almost I've always kind of sourced out not outsourced but I've always kind of you know engaged and brought that in so I've always surrounded myself with people that's been really really fundamental you know with my my, my partner with lots you know the, the staff that we've hired the businesses that we've gone into so that's key I think with the ADHD and the dyslexia it's almost given me I have this and I speak when I speak to you know thousands of different people with dyslexia and ADHD and, and they always say they seem to have this kind of unspoken drive uh and and they don't know what it is they just have this drive where they just they just have to um i mean it could be not dangerous but it can be you know with the hyper focus element of it sometimes can be a little bit distracting you know you, i can work for you know sometimes two three hours and and the time would just go by and i've forgotten to drink and forgotten to eat and i'm just you know completely hyper focused on on what's going on but that that pure drive to, to want to do something and, and create something and, and, and better yourself uh, has always been in me. Uh, so so I, I guess some will say it's, you know, are you ever satisfied with what you're doing? I'm, I love creating, but I also know what my limits are, what I'm, what I'm good at. You know, when I used to start my first business, I used to do, I was in charge of the invoicing and it used to take me to do 10 invoices, used to take me up to four and a half hours which and I, I struggled to do that for about a year and a half until I then thought to myself, well, actually, I need to outsource it. I need someone else to, you know, to help do this. So throughout my, my business journey, I guess I've always really, especially now, I've really focused on what I'm able, what I'm good at, what the best suits my time, what I can really kind of channel my, my, my energy and my skills into. And the other side of it is I'm not afraid to, like we said, for, ask for help to learn, to understand, to collaborate. That's been, um, you know, really, really helpful. The dyslexia side of it, it's been a real battle in the sense of managing it. So I'll give you a scenario. If I was working really late, say it was 10, 11 o'clock at night, I'm trying to write an email, which can be quite tiresome anyway. The screen, all the letters are moving around on the screen like ants. It's, it's really difficult trying to focus. Normally, back in the day, I would just continue until I got that email done. I mean, goodness knows what it looks like when the person received it, but I would just focus on that all the time. Now, it's just learning those little strategies, shutting the laptop, going for a walk, having a rest, you know, re-collaborating, re I, I guess, and then um, going back at it uh, when you can. But even to this day, you know, uh, emails, a lot of social media posts, everything that I kind of put out is is double checked or proof checked, which can be very tiring because I, I you know, I do a lot of, uh, on social media. I'm, you know, continuously putting um, stuff out, you know, emails and work and stuff. But it's just, um, I, I guess it's just trying to, 
to surround yourself with with people that can kind of help you that's that's been my my biggest thing. i really really struggled with that kind of letting go so that's something you mentioned i'm really personally working on that myself of, of letting go of that i've got someone, it's tough yeah um someone joining us in a couple of couple of weeks or after half term who's going to kind of um, take on our compliance like working directly in-house with me in the office and i'm so excited about that and i'm, I'm in my head i'm really preparing myself to be able to let let that let that go a bit and it's it's it's, it's tough isn't it i, I yeah. find it tough anyway but it's so no tough. no it is it's that it's, it's it's kind of built into you and it does you know when i say I let you let things go and so there's you know i like from from day one i've always being the marketeer within our business I've self-taught you know I kind of and then there's certain elements I, I think I would have I mean there must be something within your business that you think well actually I'm I can't let that go um, but but genuinely if you start breaking it down and, and, and realistically going you know yes I could do it but it's going to take me to, you know three times five times the thing and that you know would my um, energy be best used somewhere else and and I guess if you can kind of think on that, and I, I guess throughout the businesses, when I first started, uh, you know, the very first cleaning business, you know, it was me knocking on the doors. I was selling cleaning services. Then I was then, you know, um, going around a bit later and then cleaning the house and then coming back and doing the marketing. It was literally, you know, everything was a one man band, as you know, as, as, as you know, within, you know, starting a business. But, but as you grow as a business, you then, you know, think to yourself, well, actually, I need to hand that over and hand that over and then grow this. And, and it's, it is a skill. And it's, I think it's really more, it's more difficult when it's ingrained into you um, in that element as well. Absolutely. Um, I feel like I could, um, the same with every podcast, I could keep talking and talking and talking. There's so much, there's so much stuff to, to go through and so much we could kind of, kind of go into it's like I'm really like always kind of trying to keep podcasts absolutely type of time frame but I think you know if just to kind of finish it's been been a pleasure talking to you and I think I'd, I'd be really keen, to, keen to keep keep talking but kind of just to kind of finish up is there yeah any anyone who kind of is, is listening to the podcast anyone who's whether you're you know a, a school looking for people to come in and, and help deliver tools or someone who's going through kind of challenges themselves anything you just want to want to finish up on or yeah no absolutely so so i as you mentioned um previous you know the biggest skill we've got is is connecting with people and in in this current climate where we feel more disconnected than ever with a lot of the restrictions that we have we we have an incredible power in the sense of people in the sense of reaching out and now i i uh, reached out a couple of years ago when i wanted to help on a global scale within the dyslexia sector i contacted 76 different organizations all that were registered with the international dyslexia association and these were organizations that were all doing amazing things with dyslexia they had schools and enterprises and everything and I put together an email campaign and emailed out 70 different, 76 different organizations in Kenya, uh, Dubai, America, all these different countries. And within two months of putting that email out, I'd already booked a flight to go off to Kenya. Um, and I'm now uh, on the board of director for school. We did a, a fundraiser. I then uh, was able to speak in America at their big conference. I became an ambassador for the BDA. Uh, you know, we uh, some, uh, we worked with uh, an organization in Bali. I went to Malawi. We did a, a, a awareness uh, 
kind of tour of Manawi. Now, why am I saying this? I'm saying this because this all started just by putting an email together asking if you can help. And a lot of the time, we don't know what we actually need. We just say, you know, or we think of business in the sense of, do you want to buy my product, my service? This is how much it is. That's it. And you think that's the end. That's the, the conversation. But the relationships that I built from just asking if I can help then lead on to, yes, there's a lot of stuff that you do for, you know, for yourself in the sense of, you know, that could be, you know, deemed as free or charitable or something, but there's other organizations. And I think the past two years, the reason why I've been able to get a global uh, presence in so many organizations to deal with neurodiversity, it all came from that one email campaign and having, you know, the, the audacity, I guess, to, to reach out and start speaking to someone. It, we're not saying that everyone wants to go global, but think about it. Who is it you want to work with? Who, you know, what is it you want to do to help or to change or make a difference? I seriously think, you know, contacting those organizations and just reaching out for a conversation, it can lead you oh, incredible places. I mean, that's not even a, you know, a touch on what, what's, what's happened. The documentary was meant to be made this year, which we were going to speak to Netflix uh, around, you know, books. It, it's just, but I always love the fact that you can stem back to where did it originate? Where did the idea come from? And it came from that email campaign of just wanting to, to help. So I'll just say reach out, connect people. Absolutely. The, the, power of, the power of giving is incredible, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's powerful. Darren, it's been a, been a pleasure talking to you. Um, certainly got certainly got my mind thinking i hope anyone listening it's it's just like it's, it's it's great it's great to connect it's great to talk i wish you nothing but nothing but the best and look forward to continuing to to communicate with you and yeah thanks thanks so much thank you so much for having me it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so Brilliant. much cheers darren thank you